God's word comes from Isaiah chapter 44. But now listen, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says, he who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. One will say, I belong to the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and will take the name Israel. This is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what's yet to come. Yes, let him foretell what will come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God beside me? No. There is no other rock. I know not one. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a god and casts an idol, which can profit him nothing? He and his kind will be put to shame. Craftsmen are nothing but men. Let them all come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and infamy. The blacksmith takes a tool and works with it in the coals. He shapes an idol with hammers. He forges it with the might of his arm. He gets hungry and loses his strength. He drinks no water and grows faint. The carpenter measures with a line and makes an outline with a marker. He roughs it out with chisels and marks it with compasses. He shapes it in the form of man, of man in all his glory, that it may dwell in a shrine. He cut down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine and the rain made it grow. It is man's fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. But he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I'm warm. I see the fire. From the rest he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, Save me, you're my God. They know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see and their minds closed so they cannot understand. No one stops to think. No one has understanding or, or knowledge to say, Half of it I used for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals. I roasted meat and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what's left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, Is not this thing in my right hand a lie? Remember these things, O Jacob, for you are my servant, O Israel. I have made you. You are my servant. O Israel, I will not forget you. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me. For I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, O earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests, and all your trees. For the Lord has 
redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who has made all things, who has stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself, who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners, who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhibited of the towns of Judah. They shall be built, and of the ruins I will restore them. Who says to the watery deep, be dry, and I will dry up your streams. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and I will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. And of the temple, let its foundations be laid. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as he has done in previous chapters, he kind of goes up and down. Except this time he is not necessarily taking a, a shot at Israel for their idolatry, but he is really tearing apart, it looks like, the whole world of idolatry. The whole idea of idolatry. He's trying to bring to understanding what it is that they're doing. Right? You see, kind of in the middle there, where maybe you got lost, the blacksmith takes the tool and works it with the coals, and, and he says the carpenter measures the lines. He talks about, look, he goes into all this lengths. He cuts down the cedars and the cypress. Um, he, used some, he uses some of that wood for burning to break his bread and to cook his food. He uses some of it to keep warm, and with the rest of the wood, he he makes an idol and carves, carves it to make an idol. And he worships it and prays to it, save me, you're my God. And then verse 18, they know nothing. Their eyes are plastered so they can't see. He's really depicting the foolishness of idolatry. In their day, it was actually wooden images carved wooden images that they would make and bow down to and pray to so that those material things would change. They'd bow down to a god so that he would send the rain, um, for example. And I love that at the end as he's saying, hey, I'm the one who makes the, the, I'm the, one who makes the wood. In all the forests which they have gone after to build their idols, and to keep warm and to break the bread. I'm the one who made the forests where these trees are. I am the Lord who has redeemed my people to be a display of my glory. I think our idolatry is like that. If we were to really ask questions of it, is what, what, am, I, what am I worshiping and what do I think the outcome of this is? Right? Like, for example, take, take appearance. Um, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not like a blacksmith or a, a carpenter. We don't go out and, and carve idols, but um, we will mastercraft the way that the world sees us, whether through our social media or 
the ways in which we eat or what we say and how we say it so that we're not canceled out or so that we're not, you know, we're, we, um, we are so fragile with our image because we, we idolize the ways that others think of us. We idolize this God of, of self-image. We'll do anything. We'll hate ourselves. We will put ourselves into the, the, the grips of life. We'll, we'll starve ourselves for the sake of losing a pound. We'll do crazy things for our image and how you think of me. We'll work ourselves to death so that we can be the person in the class who gets the A on the test. And so he's just saying, like, tear, tear that image up. Look at what it's doing for you. Look at, you're bowing down to this false god. I will do nothing. I made your body. I made all bodies. You know, I made the wood that these people are tearing up. I made the forests. You know, our God is, is, a, is, a, is a God that actually gives everything else we worship will make us want more of it. As it's famously been said, our hearts are restless until it finds its rest in God. It's just one thing he's doing in this. And then you know, at the beginning of the end, again, you see such intimate, fatherly language. And you see this, you see this prophecy of the time of the new covenant where he will pour a spirit on, on, on us. There will be a time, again, there's, this is both a prophecy of what is, is being seen and witnessed now where the spirit has descended. Christ has given us his spirit, but also it's, it's foretelling a time to come with the new heavens, the new Jerusalem, where everyone around us will be part of the family where one will say, I belong to the Lord, another will call himself by the name of Jacob, and the other will say, the Lord's. It's all-encompassing. This is that every knee will bow. This is depicting a time there in verses 4 and 5, depicting a time where, and this is the same thing we see in, in Jeremiah 34, verses 34 through 37, I believe. It's depicting this time where we will all know the Lord, and we will be with him, and he will be with us. So until then, it says, do not be afraid. I've chosen you. I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams into the dry ground. This is both a promise of what is to come as uh, Ezekiel 47 or Ezekiel, um, gosh, I should know, 30, 30, 37, the dry bones or, or, or the image of the waters coming out of, of the temple. It will spread you know, if you go, I think it is Isaiah, or Ezekiel 47, let me see if I go to Isaiah 47, you see this beautiful depiction of the waters spreading and expanding across the, across the world. Uh, yeah, Isaiah, or Ezekiel 47, the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then he led me through water that was ankle deep, and he measured off another thousand, he led me through water that was knee-deep, and another thousand he led me through water that was up to the waist, and another thousand that was river I could not cross because it was so deep. It's talking about the glory of the Lord expanding, and God has called us and commissioned us to go and to be on mission in every avenue and where we, where we live and exist, because we are commissioned to go and to make disciples. We are commissioned to go and expand the mission of God to be a blessing to those around us and to bring the glory of the Lord to our neighbors and to our cities and to our communities and to our campus and to our world.
so that this picture is then fulfilled where the Spirit's working through us and the water is going from ankle to knee to, to waist to, the, to so deep we cannot, we cannot stand to where every, to we, we get its fulfillment in Revelation 21 and 22 where every knee will bow. This is our prayer and we see this in our passage in Isaiah 44. This is what they were clinging on to both in a, in a sense of what they could not know and then also at the end you see it here in a more practical sense. He says, hey, let, Israel, let Jerusalem say, my tower, my, my city will be rebuilt of the temple, let its foundations be laid. This is both a fulfillment of what would actually come in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah when they were sent back after exile to go and rebuild the temple. But it's also a depiction of, of the work that Christ came and he's rebuilding this temple within us, within the church. And he's also coming back, this new city, new Jerusalem, descending from the heavens. This is the hope that we hold on to in the midst of trying times like this. Let us pray. Um, Lord God, the God who has formed us and has known us from, from in the womb. Um, the God who meets us in our thirst with living water, who meets us in our hunger with bread that satisfies. Lord, we thank you that your spirit has been poured up, poured upon us, that your spirit resides in us, that your spirit enlightens us, that your spirit is a light and a lamp, your spirit is a comfort. We thank you that we live in a time post-ascension, that we have seen the risen King and, and He has given us His friend. He has, given, or he has given us His Spirit. We thank You that You are the God that um, brings redemption, that You are the Lord Almighty, that You are the God who created the forest. Lord, we confess the ways that we have looked to idolatry, we have looked to these different idols to bring us life and to bring us deliverance, and we name these things to you, and we confess the ways that we time and time again get pulled back to them, Lord, have mercy on us, help remind us of what you say in verse 22, that you have swept away our offenses like a cloud, our sins like the morning mist, you have redeemed us, Lord, we are your children, and so we burst into praise and thanksgiving. Be with us this day, we pray.